I'm Luke Kelly, and I'm the founder of the Line and Length Movement, dedicated to ripping the covers off mental health stigma. After a rough spell with my mental health, I contacted a large number of mates to come together to play a game of cricket with a very unique point of difference. In between innings, a supportive platform was provided where those who felt comfortable showing some vulnerability openly spoke about their personal mental health journey. Thus, the Line and Length Movement was born. While we are not mental health experts on this podcast, we are always here to support. So if you or anyone you know is feeling a bit flat, please have a talk to the experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. Today's episode is sponsored by Picker Financial Solutions. The support that Justin Picker is providing will go a long way in assisting the line and length movement in ripping the covers off mental health. While we here at Line and Length focus on mental health, Pick Up Financial Solutions can help you with your financial health. And now onto this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. G'day guys, welcome to this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. I'm your host Aiden, joined here by regular Luke Kelly. How are you mate? I'm going well mate, I'm going well. And uh, we've got this week's sort of special guest, Genoa Van Keckham. How are you doing mate? I haven't butchered the name too much, have I? Mate, you've absolutely nailed it. I'm, I'm happy with that compared to what I get used to saying on, so you're doing well. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Joe, we're excited like me, to have like you. Calling you Noah. Like me calling you Noah about 30 seconds ago. Yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you really nailed that one, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> right, you're trying stuff. your best there, Kels. Yeah. Uh, now, Genoa, we're, we're excited to have you on. You, you're doing some really cool stuff around sort of um, uh, mentality and, and meditation as well as in the men's space as well. But before we dive into that, can you give our listeners a bit of a, bit of a brief run through of who, who is Genoa? So um, currently, my I have sort of two roles at the moment. So one is running my uh, business, which is around meditation and mindset work. And then the other is a business with, with two other uh, colleagues and, and mates, which is focused around men's wellness and performance and, and sort of mental health as, as well. And so in terms of who I am, that you know, what part of myself I bring through to both those businesses is I'd like to look at my approach to be slightly a bit more rough around the edges and, and a bit more raw. And so particularly the meditation space and even the way my brand is set up, you know, it's mind maverick is currently in both those um, areas, I suppose, there's a lot of negative stigma, a bit of a lot of uncertainty around it. And it can feel a little bit sort of woo-woo and who, know, who the fuck knows and, and all the rest. So one thing that I'm really big on is trying to normalize both those spaces. And like me as a human being, like I meditate every day, but I still go out and have a good time and drink coffee and drink booze and, you know, muck around the lads. And, and I'm really big on bringing that sort of normality to the work that I, that I do and try to stay away from getting too caught up in, some of the traditional sort of staunchness that can go along with certain modalities or way of doing things. And so uh, that's a bit of a, a rough mismatch of the two things that I do, but also how I like to, to do them. So Jonah, am I right in that you're the 
founder of the Mind Maverick Meditation and you're the co-founder of the Momentum Lifestyle Project. Have I nailed that? Correct. Perfect. Well, that's... So what came first? The chicken or the egg? What, what came first? Mate, medita- meditation, dude. So yeah. I, uh, I've been meditating for about eight years and prior to me learning to meditate, I was like skeptical, anti-spirituality. Yeah without tv in the background and so i wasn't i was never satisfied with where i was at yep. but i was also too headstrong I was like no 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 that's no that weird stuff yeah. and so yeah. it wasn't until i started meditating i learned to meditate because i met some people who i thought were normal that mm-hmm. meditated yeah. and then i started researching meditation it was just such a common theme between high performers like whether it was nba uh, like phil jackson to the bulls and la lakers seattle seahawks you know Ray Dalio, who um, CEO of Bridgewater, the biggest hedge fund in the world, arguably. Like, it was just this theme around performance and meditation. I was like, whoa. And so I learned and then just stuck with it. And yeah. the transformation that I saw within myself and my experience of life was profound. And that led me then to decide to want to become a teacher, but in my own kind of way. And I'd been teaching for about a couple of years. So my two business partners with Momentum Lifestyle Project, uh, Dylan Ruse and, and Blake Worrell Thompson, and and Blake and I have been mates for years in, in Sydney, and he also is a you know a lifestyle performance coach, and and Dylan's been working with this old man with the Ruse Men's Club, so we're almost sort of doing our own bits and pieces, and had our own strengths and skill sets, and we sort of came together when a few people had mentioned to us like, should you look at the men's space? Look at the men's space. Yeah. Look at the men's yeah. space, and we we're like, oh yeah. I don't know, maybe. Uh, and that's kind of how it evolved. So I was definitely meditation was what brought me into the space of doing the work. And from yeah. there, I've studied all sorts of different stuff. So that, that was kind of like my gateway, gateway drug to the yeah. space, I suppose. So what did, it, what did it look like at the start when you said you, you met those people that were sort of like normal, per se, um, doing it? What did their meditation sort of look like that sort of lured you in? Mate, it was it was more around how they carried themselves in, in the world. So I used to work in a previous life well, a couple of years ago, I worked for an alcohol company. So I was a sales state manager for an alcohol company. I was yeah. with them for seven years prior to that I was in corporate and yeah. I, uh, they were actually one of my clients. And so they owned like this cool restaurant in Sydney cafe and she had like her own PR company and her partner had a, like he had a vodka brand at one point, had a fashion label and, there were just cool people who are operating yeah. at this high level. And I was like, I was really attracted to them as human beings. I was like, oh, what's going on? We drank coffee, we drank coffee every week and talk about the lot, you know, life and solve those problems. And I still remember to this day, he mem- he said to me, oh, I've been I've learned to meditate. My my daughter and slash business partners become a meditation teacher and yeah. she's studying to become a teacher and I've learned. And he goes, I just wish I'd learned this when I was younger. And that yeah. for me was like my boom. I was like, right. Yeah. This guy who I respect, he was a hard ass too. And yeah. I was like, this guy who I respect is saying this. And yeah. that was kind of that that moment for me, which really got me thinking and got me out of yeah. my own way, to be honest, to actually yeah. give it a crack. Yeah. Right. Mm. How, how difficult was it to sort of start in that meditation space and get into that? It was uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Yeah. So at first I sort of, when I remember going to learn, I was like standing out the front of the the place where I was going to learn. And I was like, fuck, if anyone might see me here, 
you know, like that. I was just like, this is embarrassing. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember I, I learned and it cost me a bit of money that the technique that I learned was using a mantra. It was called Vedic and it cost me over a grand to learn. So it was a bit of a, it was the first time I'd ever invested really in myself as well. So there was a bit of nerves in my mind. I was like, am I just getting duped here by some cult yeah. thing, you know, and yeah. I, that was all going from my mind. And so, but I had this underlying knowing, I was like, I can be better. Like I'm not where I want to be at right now. And I'm not sure what that looks like, you know, getting shit faced every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then going back to the week again and working out through the, the standard, you know, uh, career path didn't yeah. seem like the thing for me. I was like, this, I am more than this. I didn't know what that yeah. meant. And so I was like, you know what, let's go. And so yeah. that was, uh, that was how I began. And then for the first bit, I kept it really uh, quiet. Like I sort of just did my thing in the background. I stuck to it. Cause I was like, I invested this money. I want to see if this actually works. And I stuck with it, but no one would have really known about it. Uh, and the beauty of it is, is the style that I learned. You do it like twice a day for about 20 minutes and you can do it anywhere. Like I'll do it in my car in between meetings in a car park. I'd do it on a park bench with my sunnies on with my earphones in. It looked like I was having a nap. And so the beauty of it is I do it on the bus, you know, in between yeah. going somewhere. So it, the beauty of it was, it was so easily uh, integrated into my life and I could sort of get away with doing it without it looking too there's no weird poses or anything like that so I could sort of yeah. slump my way like this it's like I was sleeping and yeah. that's how I began with with integrating it into into my world it's a bit of awkwardness it's good that you, I can hear you say like you were a skeptic at first and you overcome that because like you know in all honesty there is still that skepticism out there about mm. this whole mindfulness approach but like I've said this on this podcast heaps of times. Like I meditate absolutely every day. I swear by it. Um, mm. But like, it's, it's just good to hear that say that how far you've come. And initially you were the skeptic yourself and now you're, you're the teacher, you know, it's the full mm. 360 circle. Yeah. It's been a pretty interesting transition. And I was actually chatting to a mate today uh, about it. And they were asking me about when I was younger and all this. And they're like, wow, you really have come a long way. Like yeah. I was not open at all yeah. like if, if yeah. i still say if someone would have told me even after i've been meditating for a little while that i'd be a meditation teacher i still would have said go fuck yourself yeah. like there's no chance yeah. it's just it's amazing how if you let go of your idea of how things are and should be and just allow some things to play out yeah it's amazing what can unfold uh, yeah when i kind of let go yeah 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 it seems like i guess the reason that or the, the link that we've got to you in terms of getting you on this podcast is our mate mm. Jordan Massman and yeah. um, he, he said he wanted a big shout out so there it is <laughs> you um, got it the big fella <laughs> um, but he he's come full 360 as well full circle like he's he's all into it and he said that you really helped him um, in terms of overcoming some things do you, do you want to sort of just elaborate on like the change that you've seen in him. I mean, you don't have to go into too much personal detail. And if Mastin wants to tell his story on this podcast, I'm sure he can, but just want to give, yeah, some environment of what change you've seen in him, what he's been able to do for himself. Well, the, the brilliant thing about Jordan was, so the, the way we came about was I was brought in to do some, uh, I did a talk for Robert Walters, yeah. right? And it was just a, a talk to like 70 of their staff. And I talked about stress and meditation and, and what they decided afterwards, they'd offer like a select group that often opt in to do actually do the meditation course. Yeah. And so he actually, to give him credit, he made that decision. It wasn't forced on him. Yeah. Well, yeah. He had the opportunity there to do it. And so he, there must've been something there in him that was 
there was a level of yeah skepticism probably like yeah whatever but he was still open-minded yeah. enough to go you know what i'm going to trust yeah. this guy and, and give it a give it a crack yeah and and like he's told me how he's he shifted but the way he carried himself throughout when i was teaching him was actually he was really really engaged and open and would, would be one of the first to sort of share and i was actually quite impressed when i look back at the group yeah. funnily enough maybe contrary to what he would explain he was like before yeah. he was actually really uh involved yeah. and it was a great great part of the the, the crew yeah and he we started chatting uh i think we we're chatting when he he gave me a good call and we we're talking about coming he wanted to introduce me to you guys yeah. he was like bro like it's just transformed how i how i operate yeah. i'm so much calm and confident in my awareness and yeah and and the way he deals with stress at work and, yeah. and i was like wow man like it's it's pretty yeah. i love sort of hearing that because we work yeah, together course. yeah yeah and then he did his own thing he stuck with it like we hadn't spoken for i don't know six or twelve six months maybe 12 months until yeah. he got in contact again yeah at least that long i'd say yeah. and he just stuck with it and it just slowly but surely it kept uh evolving for me yeah. i love hearing those stories yeah and uh, the whole idea is that you become self-sufficient right I, the way i like to work is to teach you the stuff and then you go and do it not come back and be guided by me every time and he took that on board yeah. and, and really he's run with it so it's pretty cool to see i guess he wouldn't i mean obviously he's not the only person so you must see it so much how it must be incredible for you in your position to see how impactful good practice of meditation can be on your life well that's you know every now and then i still get it like i talk about excuse me, there's still moments where I have like a level of imposter syndrome. I'm like, ah, am I really, you know, good enough to be teaching people this? Is it really, you know, helping people? Because I think it is. I know it's helped me. And then I, you know, I always ask students to send me some, well, I sometimes get random messages from people. They'd be like, I had it, like I got this, actually, interesting enough, I got a message from this guy who, I won't say his name. I, I went and did another company. I work with businesses. I work with private. I do, I do group stuff. Yeah. This is another business one where I'd actually, all I'd done was come in and did like a 70 minute workshop. And he emailed me, he sent me a message a year, eight months later to say, bro, you just, just you transformed my life with me being open to meditation. He goes, yeah. by hearing you speak and me being to it, yeah. I started doing it. And he goes, my whole world's yeah. changed. And I get that sort of stuff all the time randomly. And I'm like, that just reinforces what I do. I'm like, it isn't just some weird woo-woo esoteric bullshit. Yeah. It actually works whether you're in business, you know, business management mm -hmm. or you're a yoga teacher it works on yeah. the physiology and the brain and the nervous system yeah so that's pretty cool mm. i love it i love it do you know what does uh what does meditation look like for you like if you could run that through for me because i i'm not someone who does meditate i've given it a try a couple of times and probably haven't gotten into it or stuck it out for as long as i probably should have but uh what's your description of what meditation is so this is really a cool question because this is where a lot of people have fallen off the wagon is because they've tried they're like oh, i've tried to meditate it's just not for me i've tried i can't do it or whatever and it's because meditation is almost like the word exercise we all know we should be doing it but what style to what other types that are out there so what i find a lot of people do is they're like oh um you know i need to meditate and they'll try like an app for example be guided and they're like, yeah, the, guy, the guy's voice, right? I kept thinking or I couldn't get deep enough or it's just not for me and they stop. So to be like exercise, going, I need to exercise and going and doing a spin class and going, I hate spin class. I'm exercising again. You'd be like, well, 
there's a lot of different types of exercise that might work for you. So explore some different avenues. Now, the style that I have learned, I specialize in and I swear by is a technique that uses a mantra. So like a sound vibration, it's like a, a mantra that you whisper inside your mind. And I do it twice a day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, anywhere between minimal 10 minutes, maximum half an hour, depending how much uh, time I, I have. And that's, I literally, it's like a, I don't use it as a tool. I use it as a daily practice. So I don't wait till I'm feeling terrible to start meditating. I meditate every day, whether I'm feeling amazing or terrible, it just keeps me more resilient. So there's less experiences of me needing the tools down the track, if that makes sense. Yeah. So my practice is like, it's a non-negotiable, just like I wouldn't leave the house without brushing my teeth, yeah. having a shower. It fits in that category for me. It's like I train six out of seven days a week. Uh, did I hear you mention before it's about 20 minutes? Is that right? The technique that I practice yeah. is yeah. prime time is twice a day for 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Bloody hell. There you go, eh? That's unreal. I love it. Yeah. I mean, you can go less. Um, yeah. Probably 10 is probably the minimal you want to go, 10 minutes twice a day. But yeah. you also look at it and, you know, just like with exercise, if you do five to 10 minutes exercise three, four times a week, do you think it's going to do much yeah. for you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So that's, but that's sort of, that's probably the prime time. But longer isn't, then also much longer isn't realistic for most people because we're all busy. And also in the style that I work with, you don't actually need longer. It's designed to have that prime impact out of that sort of 10 to 20 minute mark. Yeah. I, um, I We mentioned off air just before coming on, um, I, I'm doing a bit of research on you. I noticed that you, it says you did a bit of uh, 18 months of formal study in meditation. Now I'm just wondering what's 18 months of formal study meditation look like? And then yeah. also, and adding to that, can you elaborate on some of the science behind it? Like some of the, something that's going to shock me, <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> so the the style of technique that i teach and specialize in is called yeah. vedic it's a transcendental style of of meditation and yeah. unlike a lot of the other sort of techniques that are out there yeah. which you can sometimes do like a weekend course and be able to do some guided stuff uh yeah. to be able to practice this style of meditation you have to have a meditated regularly for at least a few years so you have the experience of meditating and uh then there are two options one is you can either go away to india and do three months intensive where you're literally in india for three months and you do everything it's it's nuts yeah. well there are some teachers um there are a few of the states and there's like a couple of teachers here in australia that offer that tuition in a uh, integrated form as and in you do it over 18 or so months while you're still able to because i couldn't I wouldn't have learned if I had to go out of India for three months and yeah. just quit my job and because who knows, yeah. right? And so in that 18 months, I studied the Vedic philosophy. So the Vedic philosophy is the body of knowledge that all yoga comes from, all meditation. And it's like this, the, the almost the Bible, I yeah. suppose, of this style of philosophy. So I, I studied yeah. that. And then I also studied uh, working with the mantras. So the mantras are the main part of, the practice, right? That really yep. uh, make it what it is. And so I studied also how to work with them and, and teach them to people. And then the, the real, the third juicy component is then tying it into the neuroscience of stress release. So what I studied and, and learned is that I didn't realize, which is that this is the main fundamental how this technique works is that our bodies from the day that we're born, yeah. we accumulate stress yeah. and tension 
in our bodies. Yeah. We hold on, we hang on to it, and we hang on to it, we hang on to it. And that piles up and accumulates into a, on our, um, in our nervous system. Now, the body's main way and the most efficient way for it to process and launder stress, tension, and fatigue is deep rest. Is the rest we get at nighttime when we go to sleep. Sure. So this is why we are currently look at our society where anxiety, mm. depression, stress, insomnia, yep. they're normal, but yep. they're not normal things. They should yep. not be part of the normal way of living, but they've become normal because our nervous system is under so much pressure. And so when we uh, meditate and use the style of meditation that I work with, we actually put the body into a different state of deep rest. And when our bodies get into this deep state of rest, it can use its natural intelligence. And I'll touch on that in a second to start yeah. doing that laundering and processing of buildup of stress and tension and fatigue. Now, I use the term natural intelligence and for some people I'm like, oh, here we go. He's talking woo woo here. What I mean by that is, right? When you this cut is, yourself- This is great. This is great. Yeah, like when <laughs> so you cut good. yourself, your body yeah. knows how to heal a cut. Do you tell it to? No. No. You get sick. Your body heals. If you're a female, you can grow a baby inside of you. That's natural yeah. intelligence. Now, we spend so much of our days in survival mode, stress, hustle, getting shit done, worries, deadlines, social media, dates, big nights in the piss. That's how we operate in survival. So our body doesn't have the energy to life. And so we need to give our bodies that time to get back into a level of balance. So we can start doing that, working on the deep stuff, the root causes of a lot of the things that we're dealing with in our current, um, in our days in terms of both mental and physical. So um, yeah, that was kind of a- Oh, I, I just learned so much. I hope, you, I hope our audience did as well. Like that's just fantastic to hear. It, it, but it just <laughs> makes sense, doesn't it? Like just to, to hear you say, no, like you're an expert in that field. It just, it just makes total sense. Yeah, it's it's because you sit there and you go, why the why yeah. am I like anxious and feeling all this? And because when we're, we're yeah. born, we are we're not born to be anxious right. all the time. Like anxiety and stress is a biological response which can help yeah. us survive, but unfortunately, it's meant yeah. to be chronic. I mean, acute. Sorry, we experience a level of like maybe a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of stress, and that help can help us deal with the situation of survival. Yeah. But then we're supposed to go back down again. Yeah we don't go back down again. We have this experience where something makes us, you know, we deem it as stressful or we're picked on at school or we have an argument with our partner and we recycle it and go over it and then go over it again and then tell our friends about it. And then we go next time I want to say this. And so we're constantly piling it and piling it on, uh, which is putting us under real, real pressure. Oh, I think I'm so glad we got you on an expert, you on as an expert in that, um, in that area. I'm going to um, ask you now, turning from mindfulness to the Momentum Lifestyle Project, um, I was doing a bit of research on that, and that's a winner as well. Mm. Um, those four words, mindset, muscle, mission, masculinity. Um, I assume the whole thing based around those four words. Can I get you to you know, elaborate on that for us? Why mm. those four words? Why mindset, why muscle, why mission, why masculinity? So the whole concept of momentum came about when Blake Dylan and myself were, we looked at the state of the men's space, men's mental health, yeah. ourselves, our group of mates. And we're like, none of us are okay. None of us are at the top of our game. 
whether we're willing to admit it or not is a different story, but none of us are where we should be. And it's taken us a combined 25 years of study and research and personal practice and failing and then trying again to develop the tools and knowledge that have helped us get to a place where we're now like, we're pretty solid. And like, I've had, as I mentioned, like severe anxiety, I was big Peter Pan syndrome, destructive drinking patterns, very unaware, ego driven, dealing with diagnosed depression and anxiety, drop out of uni and go live with his parents to deal with it again. And he had an amazing upbringing with his family as well. You know, Blake himself, he had, he literally had rock bottom where he, in one year he became bankrupt, lost his missus, got fired from three jobs and had, was loneliest ever been in his life. So we've all been to our own different bottoms, I suppose, in a, in a way. And then we lent on each other and the tools that we'd learned to help us bring us back. And so we, we created momentum with our four pillars to be like, okay, what are the, the main categories? What are the areas that if every guy could learn at least a component under each, they have the tools to deal with life in a much, much more, uh, solid and comprehensive way and we came up with those four pillars so you know mindset is obviously everything to do with the mind that's meditation understanding limiting beliefs you know triggers and and because a lot of and awareness and understanding and integrating our own egos which is really really powerful stuff and the muscle is not only because we're all interested in being you know physically strong but when we talk about muscle it's also you know like emotional muscle you know, and so muscle for us, we like to integrate. It's like, and we have this under the muscle component, we're big on developing the, the balance between backbone and heart. So there's the grit and the fucking let's go, but then the heart to have that sort of awareness and openness and warmness and that. So we're developing both those muscles as opposed yeah. to just the, these ones, you know, the, the bicep yeah. muscles, yeah. which is what we focus yeah. on. So we kind of like yeah. muscles one that we kind of like, if you work with us, we actually don't focus that much on nutrition and exercise. It's more about what are the other fundamentals, like even working on your level of ability to deal with stress will impact how much muscle you can put on. We have to fall on into the concept of the mean and being a man. If you are over 80% of the of males have a core masculine energy and a fundamental driver of masculine energy is to have a level of purpose and mission. Yeah. right so what we've always been we are providing we are hunting we are we are working towards something yeah. and as a, a human being really with because both men and women both have masculine and feminine energy some men have stronger feminine and that's totally fine and this sort of this kind of starts leading to the masculinity component but for uh, men in particular it's really really fundamental for us to have something we're working towards what's our purpose yeah. what's our mission yeah. And it's got to be something greater than just us, greater than making money, you know, greater than getting the new the job title. And one of the biggest gaps we're finding with a lot of blokes that we work with, uh, they're like, mate, I've got money, I've got the missus, I've got the family, but there's something missing and it's mission. Yeah. What is their yeah. mission in life? What, what's your legacy? What are you going to leave in this yeah. world? At the end of your life, what would you like to be known as leaving behind? Yeah. yeah. And so that's why mission, and that gets me fine. I was talking about it. Like, what the fuck do you want to work towards here? What are you going yeah. to create? Yeah. Uh, and then masculinity is actually embodying, you know, your version 
of man. Yeah. It's understanding that being sensitive and compassionate yeah. and empathetic isn't and having feelings isn't yeah. weak. You know, showing vulnerability isn't weak. Yeah. That is a strong part of being a masculine man because masculinity has a lot of traditional stereotypes, which is like, you gotta be big, strong, tough, push through, you be sorted, you're stoic, good with girls, athletic. And I've even had, I've even sometimes asked, and this comes from both men and women, because in the past I've sort of asked girls, what do you look for to a guy? Like, oh, I like a masculine man. I'm like, what does that mean to you? And even then it's still sometimes that traditional stereotype. So does that mean that a, a guy who's skinnier loves playing music and is really sensitive and compassionate and really good with people is less of a man. Fuck no, he's not. He's yeah. his own version of man. And that's what masculinity embodies, right? This holistic, authentic confidence of who you are and ownership of that. And so we're really big on peeling back the masks and the layers that we all put on as men to try to show up and validate ourselves in the world. So peel those things back and allow who you really are to come forward and have confidence in that. Cause that's, that's powerful when you really own that stuff. So they're the four pillars and why we find that they're so important in yeah. as a holistic approach. Cause I think traditionally the main thing blokes would focus on be muscle yeah. and this muscle to be a man. And it's like, no, 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 no. We focus on the other three things even more. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you, that's the, the pillars. Do you find that all four sort of have equal weight? You don't focus on one more than another. another? They kind of build upon each other. Yeah. So for example, the mindset component, if you aren't meditating daily and if you aren't actively working on understanding your own triggers, belief systems, thought patterns, blind spots, you know, ego, it's very, very hard for you then to build on top of that and get clear on what your mission or meaning is going to be or to understand what your true version of masculinity is or understand, oh, wow, maybe when I'm out with my mates, I use the mask of being the ladies' man as like a, a front to show my validation. And yeah. so it's really important that we, the mindset's kind of the, I guess, the foundation, the mindset and the muscle are kind of those foundation components. And then we build on top of that with, okay, now we've got the brain, nervous system and the, the awareness starting to shift. Now we can start bringing on more stuff. Now we can start looking at, okay, let's create some sort of mission for you. Let's look at what masculinity means to you. So they kind of build upon each other, I suppose. Yeah, I really like that missions in there. I mean, recently I've um, stumbled across Ben Crow and all the work he does at Mojo Crow. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with his work? No. No, no. He's, he's all about what's your purpose. He works with Dusty yeah. Martin and Ash Barty and stuff. And it's all, all about what, what's your purpose. Oh, in life? I think I have what heard you, that actually, yeah. yeah. But what are you getting out of bed for? What are, mm. on, a, on a wet yeah. Monday morning, what are you, what's getting you out of bed? Um, and yeah, obviously mission purpose. Uh, interlinked same thing so I'm, I'm really glad that's in there because i'm finding it you know i'm researching that at the moment myself um trying to identify i guess for myself what's my purpose slash mission um and i find the work behind it fascinating yeah well it's it's truly also because like motivation comes yeah. and goes you're yeah. not motivated every morning like i'll be lying if i say like every morning i'm like fuck yeah i want to go let's get yeah. this yeah sometimes I, I feel shitty and down and not, yeah. I don't want to go train, but yeah. I have a level of there's something bigger than me. There's a mission I have. And I'm like, yeah. nah, nah, I'm going. So I'm yeah, working towards right. something else here. That's beyond my little bullshit chatter of staying yeah. in my comfy bed this morning or getting yeah. a little pity story and allow myself to go down this. So also yeah. having that is a, re a really good driver for when motivation's yeah. not there. 
yeah, I love it. That's good stuff, that. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got a bit of a question around the sort of masculinity piece. Um, mm. You know, it's so, I guess, the stereotype of stoic men is so just kind of ingrained in today's mm. society. How, how long have you sort of seen it take to sort of start having that initial change to like, you know, that there is strength in vulnerability and being able to show your emotion in men? Um, well, personally, personally, I went, had an interesting swing. So I went from, I was aggressive, validated mm. myself on women, drinking, my athletic ability. That's how I was brought up. That's what put me into the, the cool group of schools because I was good at sport and I did okay with girls. That's what, so that was developed my identity. It's like, that's what it is. You push through and being told at footy when I was I'm playing under 17s footy. And I had an injury, like it's going to push through sometimes, mate. I'm like, I've, I mean, I'm injured. So we're already told they're not to feel our bodies. And so from a young age, that's how I developed. And then, then funnily enough, I got, I called the snag trap, the sensitive new age guy. So, and the only reason I looked into it, because I was like, oh, I think chicks like the sensitive new age guy now. So maybe I'm going to slide over this way. And I went too far into this and I actually lost some of my boundaries and lost some of my natural grit and almost became a bit of this like, floaty sensitive kind of nice guy and went too far the opposite way and it took me some a while to finally get my head straight and go how to second i was going to find my slot like come back to the center of what is the true balance of both of those sides for me now i feel at a greater scale we are getting there but we're still a lot i still think we're a long long way off and a lot of it is because currently most of our the guys that we've looked up to are from that slightly older generation. So we're kind of that newer wave. And still, I would argue that the guys that maybe think or be open to some of this stuff are still we're a very small percentage. So I still think we're sort of another generation below that starting mm. to shift. Because even now, like a lot of, you know, the dads and grandpas and uncles are still, not all obviously, but there's still a level of that yeah. old way of being that they're quite stuck in. So it's it's getting there, but we're still it's it's a slow uh, it's a slow shift. But even in leadership and performance now, there is a lot a lot more emphasis being put on emotional intelligence, which is compassion, awareness, self regulation, as opposed to just intelligence or IQ. And so there's it's starting to it's starting to shift. And even like you're seeing in footy clubs now, there's a slowly but surely like most and we're starting to bring in some meditation and you know it, it's starting to get there but it's still it's a it's a it's a chip it's a slow chip away yeah well, i mean everything that we've spoken about so far in this podcast it's like my goal that it's all just mainstream and normalized mm. so you know that's i think in the world would be a happier place if everyone meditated you know once a day and yeah. you know brought into the whole what you're doing at the momentum lifestyle um that's like yeah it'd just be a better it'd be a better place we're still sort of on the outer i guess uh in terms of percentage that have bought into the stuff but we'll get there yeah yeah it's it's moving man like even yeah. the space itself but when we when we came into it part of the reason why we do things the way we do is yeah. the men's space itself we believe has a bit of a a branding problem yep there's a lot of groups that are either quite like overly, oh, bro, man, huggy, and, you know, we'll talk about our feelings. And for a guy from the outside who's just new, that's not attractive. Like I know when I was first, I was like, I'm only going to a men's group. What do you mean? Like, yeah. And then there's also the other extreme where it's like, let's go to the jungle and eye gaze naked. 
and it's you know full on so there's and they all have their place i also want to be where i'm not disrespecting each group sort of like that because they have their place yeah but for a lot of uh guys who are just like uh, I kind of like having my beers on a Friday and watching the footy and I kind yeah. of have a bit of anxiety, but I'm, I'm all right. I wouldn't mind trying something. What is there that's that's relatable? And that's why we came into it and do things the way we do. Like we still in our group programs, our 12-week mentorship. Every At the beginning, we always do a bit of shit chat and there's a bit of banter. We muck around and it's all right, now we're getting serious. Let's learn some stuff. So it's yeah. keeping that balance of you can still be lads and muck around, just yeah. uh, learn some cool stuff along the way. Yeah, and that's, and that's what you said at the start of this podcast, is that, yes, you do all this meditation stuff and mindfulness stuff, but you still like a beer, you still like a, yeah. you know, still, still social, you're still very regular, regular bloke, so good. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep that as, you know, I haven't disappeared off into the ether just yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I'm sure you'll transcend soon, Janoa. Oh, mate, I'm going to be in line, I'll be levitating soon, don't worry about that. <laughs> uh you said at the beginning you were really worried about um the sort of like right at the beginning when you were learning to meditate you were worried about mm. what your mates would think of you when you were going off to these meditation classes um something that kind of gets highlighted in, in pretty much all of our episodes is that sort of big social connection that once you kind of let someone know that you're doing something you find that they've almost that they give the opposite reaction to what you're going to think you know they're always supportive of it they're always going to you know they've got your back sort of thing was that what you found when you started telling your mates about meditating? Yeah. As soon as I was like, this is what I do, boys, and just owned it. Most, when people judge you or they, you know, give you shit about it, it's just coming from a place of fear for themselves. It's literally that, yeah. they, just, they just don't understand yeah. it. And what you're doing is out of their comfort zone. So to protect themselves, they're going to, make you sound like an idiot or give you shit or whatever it is. And so I found that when I did start to start to open up about it, a lot of them were like, Oh, okay. And they're, they're in, most of them, heaps of my mates have learnt now. My brother, my dad, my mum, you know, people that weren't necessarily open to it at all have ended up not only asking about it, but came to learn because they're like, I'm not satisfied where I'm at. Plus you're kind of different. You're not as much as an arsehole as you used to be. You're a bit more, you know, open-minded. You're aware. Yeah, you know, you look. I look, you know, looking better. I look better, you know, now than I did fucking ten years ago, like physically and and the rest. Like so, it's, it's it, there's other reasons. Whether like we just like do your thing and stay in your lane and just do it. Um, you know, you don't. I don't try to get too preachy like, to my mates. Like if they want to ask, I will talk to them about it. But I let let it go. I've got like my best mate, for example. He's open to it, but he's actually never properly learned. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like. If you want to come, come in your own time. Um, and I found that just doing my thing and just stepping up and owning it with confidence has led to most people, you're 100% right, boys, being really accepting and going, well, good on you uh, for doing it. Yeah. It's an awesome thing to hear. Um, do you know what, what sort of piece of advice would you give for someone just starting out to learn to meditate? Like what, what, would, you, what would you get them to do? So firstly, I'd get them to look at what their current um, definition of or idea of meditation is. And I'll frame a couple of the most common barriers. One is that you've got to be able to control your mind or clear your thoughts. Um, another big uh, barrier is around it being sort of religious and woo-woo, you've got to sit somewhere awkward and all the rest. 
And another one is that it's like a waste of time or I'm too busy. And so what I would ask them first to do is to let go of all their preconceived ideas around it and look at it as something, it's an investment of time, just like doing exercise is going to make you feel, look, perform better. Meditation is doing the same for your brain and nervous system. And then be open to trying a few different types out. If you've tried one app, you didn't like his voice or whatever, try something else and potentially look for a teacher. It's just like you're going to learn a brand new sport and you go try to do it yourself. It's just like, oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Uh, it doesn't feel right. My technique's off. It's just not working. Why am I doing it like that? And I would argue is then if you're, if you're interested in seeing some change is to find a coach or teacher or someone that can help and explain you through the process as well so you understand it. And then just like most things, you want to be good at most things, you got to train and practice or have an expert to talk you through it. So I'd argue that you'd put the same... Um, effort into meditation and also don't get attached to the idea that meditation is going to be beautiful and calm and this state of blissful thoughtlessness because it's not meditation is doing the work your brain and nervous system are doing a lot of processing and so you'll think a lot i still think eight years down the track i meditate and i still think thinking's part of the process i often feel uncomfortable when i meditate it's my body's releasing stress stress can feel uncomfortable but we're so not used to feeling the discomfort and being in our bodies, we're like, ah, I'm out. I'm getting out of here. So be okay with the discomfort. Try a couple of new things uh, and really be open, open-minded to it. Because if you're, and this is my opinion, if you're not meditating regularly, you're behind the eight ball. There's five decades of research. Look at the high performers who swear by it. Look into what your barrier is and see if you're willing to step past that level of fear and lack of understanding to, uh, give it a real, real red hot crack. What's what's sort of the minimum uh, amount of time that someone should dedicate to a um, meditation session? Like five minutes, 10 minutes, 15? Well, look, I always try to make it as accessible as possible. So at the beginning, I say, if, if the best you can at least start with five minutes a day on an app, start yeah. with five minutes a day on an app. But to be honest, uh, I would argue you want to be doing at least 10 to 20 minutes. Sure. Uh, and again, like the way when I've worked with students, most my whole approach is I work with beginners, skeptics, and people that hate apps or struggle with apps. And most people, when they get taught properly, they go from meditating one minute to they can sit for 15, 20 minutes and it's fine. Um, so I'd say you want to be doing at least 10 minutes to lay your body to really get into that state. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. I have so many questions and my mind just keeps going blank every time we finish because i got to like process what you've just said. Um, <laughs> and, and like also like my own, like thinking about my own experience, like I'm, I'm kind of falling into that boat of like, I, don't think, I like, don't think I like the apps and maybe I just, I haven't found the right sort of style of meditation for myself. So I think uh, after this, I'm going to give it a good crack and really try and find uh, what works for me and, and the best way to go because you know, Luke, you constantly tell me how much meditating's helped and, and how it, it sort of gets you ready for the day. And, you know, hearing the way that it sort of changed your life and helped you change the lives of others. Maybe maybe I should get into it, put a lot more effort into uh, into figuring out what, what meditation should look like for me. Bloody yeah. hell. Better, better late than never. Uh, you know, <laughs> what, 
if you look at looking back on sort of you know where you started and where you are now if you could give yourself a piece of advice uh right back at let's say the age of 18 as a as the sort of generic number that we always pick for everybody what piece of advice would you give yourself yeah 18 yeah Would I've listened to myself? It's more around like it's opening, open your mind, like open your mind. Don't hang on to things so tight for how you think they should be. It was really like, you don't know, open your mind, open your mind. Cause I was really the opposite. I was very my way very driven and not open. So that'd be my biggest thing. If, if I would have listened, I don't know. <laughs> I probably would tell us where to go. Um, but yeah, just open your mind, bro. Like try, try lots of different things. Um, my my last question for you is, um, what's this whole podcast experience taught you besides the fact that I'm illiterate with first and last names? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what it's taught me that, that every time I chat to uh, like good people like yourself, there's just more and more people out in this world who are open minded and keen yeah. to make a difference and willing to give it a crack and say so it's a nice breath of fresh air like you've both been pretty enthusiastic and yeah. open-minded and excited and you know you still muck around and have a bit of fun and so yeah. I, that you kind of match how i like to, to do things so it's just it's just reminding me and reinforcing that there's more and more of this uh out in the space which is cool yeah buddy i think Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for the words. We, we appreciate any, any sort of compliment that's given to us from a, from a guest. Uh, yeah, I, think, we'll I, think, I think that's a really nice sort of place to, to wrap the podcast up. Um, Genoa, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about this incredible sort of meditation and, uh, and men's sort of space journey that you've, you've been on. And I look forward to hopefully we have you on again and we can see how far we've all, we've all come and maybe I've found out where I can meditate in the best way for me is and, and and other people the listeners might have also felt that as well yeah mate i can help work you through that don't worry about that <laughs> buddy i i love that mate love that Janawa. i look forward to that uh to all the listeners if you want to be a part of the line and length podcast please reach out on whether it be any of our socials uh to myself or girls we're happy to have you on and uh We'll leave you with the uh, like the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and uh, we'll see you all uh, on the next episode. Perfect. This episode of This Is Your Line and Length was brought to you by Pick a Financial Solutions. Pick a Financial Solutions can help you with your financial well-being. This includes restructuring your finances, purchasing your first home, or purchasing an investment property. To reach out to Picker Financial Solutions, see the links in this episode's notes. If this podcast has made you realize that you or a friend would benefit from having a chat, please don't hesitate to reach out to experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. In the meantime, take care, look after your lid, and look forward to the next episode of This Is Your Line and Length.